Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Dr. Yossi Sheffi, Professor of Engineering Systems and Director of the Center for Transportation and Logistics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He is also the author of The Magic Conveyor Belt, Supply Chains, AI, and the Future of Work. Dr. Sheffi returns to the show to expand on his thoughts about where human skills and labor markets are headed in the immediate impact of automated and autonomized workflows, thanks to AI capabilities in logistics and manufacturing. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Dr. Sheffi, thank you so much for being back with us on the program this week. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, at the end of our last episode, I think we had a really good bookmark in terms of where we see automation playing out in logistics and manufacturing, the challenges that are going to come out of that, especially in, in the workflows where we will not see humans leave entirely, you know, for reasons of trust, for reasons of psychology, for reasons that, you know, even in a couple of areas, even if it's dangerous to say humans can always do this better forever. No one wants to put their money on on, on those squares of the uh, of the roulette table right now. But for the time being, yeah, there are many areas that humans just plainly do better than AI. As of May 2nd, 2023 at 4.36 p.m., it could change in two minutes, but who knows? But for right now, there are those areas. What are the best ways that folks and business leaders should be thinking about careers, you know, especially inside and out of the logistics and manufacturing spaces as we see things like not just, you know, automated, but autonomized, you know, driving systems, systems that don't even involve humans at all. And not even a guy, you know, sitting in a warehouse playing a video game, driving a truck somewhere, you know, where we have human beings leave, where should humans be focusing their talent and attention? It's really interesting because I get this question asked by worried students sometimes. Oh, I'm sure. How should they design the career? What is it working? And my number one answer is don't stop learning. It's a, you cannot because the, the, the technology is moving fast and processes are changing, jobs are changing, products are changing. You have to stay with it. You have to keep. And, and by the way, it's relatively easy because there's so much online instruction, so much online availability that really low, free or low cost that there's no reason not to update yourself. There's no reason to grow stale. So this is the number one advice. And companies should do it to their workforce. I always tell, tell my students, don't go for the first job that gives you the most money. Go for the first job that gives you growth opportunity. Go to the job that moves you between functions. Go to the job that allows you to go back to school for two weeks, for three weeks, to update skills. This is the job that you want for the first, second, and third ranks on the ladder of, of your career. Something that lets you go, say, from department to department, because, you know, even yeah. translating it back down from what I know about AI is that AI is constantly trying to find ways to de-silo. But if human beings have that, you know, cross-divisional experience, have experience from across places of business, then they'll be able to guide those. Is that is that basically where, where you're encouraging your students to go or is there bigger reasons for that? It's, this is this is part. They also like them to, to move from, from department to department because they get new people, they meet with new management uh, style, they, they get to interact with other teams, but also vertical growth. They can grow 
go from uh, being, because uh, I don't want them to do one year of experience five times. When they're talking about five years of experience, it needs to grow, it needs to move. And they have to go to companies that plant a route for them to go up, to learn more, to be more, to get more responsibility, to get more knowledge. That's the idea. So both wide and deep. And even in your last answer too, I see a certain kind of subject matter expert that's going to become valuable in future AI use cases. And it's somebody, you know, with cross-divisional experience. What else do you think is going to be valuable in so subject matter experts in terms of those future use cases and for what I we're would, seeing right now? I would say something that has nothing to do with AI. And this is what we call the soft skills. Being able to understand, you see, computers are very good at doing the same job over and over again. They're doing better, they're doing faster, they're doing it more accurate. What computers don't have is empathy and moral code and understanding context and all of these things that make us human. The ability, for example, during the pandemic, we had cases, and I wrote about in one of my previous book, we had cases when a company that was the largest wholesale grocer in the United States, and suddenly they were supplying to supermarket. Their business quadrupled. There are other companies who are supplying to restaurants. They have no business at all because all restaurants were closed. So simply on a call from CEO to CEO, tens of thousands of people and thousands of trucks were moved from one company to the other with no lawyer, with no process, just based on trust of people, trusting other people. That's hard to imagine a robot does that. So being able to be flexible, people are much more flexible than machine, or at least in the in the foreseeable term that machine can be. So that's another trait of humans that has to be developed. I think I put it in the last episode, something to the effect of no one wants to put money down on saying what humans can do that AI will never be able to do. All at the same time, still where the battle lines are drawn between as of right now, what AI can and can't do. It's still those subjective things. It's still those judgment calls. It's still a lot of matters of subjectivity that AI cannot transfer. And it's still a lot of basement on rules based systems of, you know, like doing those same things over again in repetitive tasking. Where, where do you see it that we might actually leave that dynamic? Like what what should, you know, like business leaders look for? What should, you know, future members of the labor force look for in terms of when might that change? What jobs go first or what skills should they be focusing on at that point? Okay, jobs that go first, let's look at the, you know, the word computer used to be used for people. It was a job description, right. computer. And, and the, you know, companies have, mostly women, by the way, dozens and dozens of them in rural sitting next to each other and, and doing accounting by hand. Now it was replaced later on by, you know, computer and then PCs and Excel spreadsheet. A lot of it will be replaced by AI. We'll be able to do it. Not everything. But a lot of it will be replaced, especially the mundane stuff, the stuff that, you know, the repetitive stuff. So there are jobs like legal, lawyer jobs. I don't see, you know, a robot arguing in front of the Supreme Court, right? But, but a lot of looking, say, here's the case, finding out similar cases, finding out precedents, find out the good ones. Find, this absolutely is happening, which means there'll be less jobs. Oh, yeah. Legal. You could probably feed, you know, all of uh, a Supreme Court justice's opinions to an LLM and saying based on all of these all of these opinions, 
and what you know of the context of my argument, what is the best possible legal case to make with this specific judge's, you know, outcomes in mind. And it could probably help you out there. But is it going to read that opinion? Is it going to answer the questions vis-a-vis? Nah, it's probably not best suited for that. Right. It's, it's going to suggest some precedent that will help you make the case. It's going to suggest the type of witnesses that you may want to have. Maybe something that I didn't think about, but as you raise it, help in jury selection. You know, what kind of people we want in jury selection. But at the end of the day, the decision to argue the case, to work with the client, still, you know, the human lawyer will be there. Of course, of course. In in terms of even like the factory floors, I think you were talking about Amazon, you know, they've they've probably added more robots to their warehouses than than anybody else. And yet they're still hiring, you know, human beings in, in, in large numbers. What human skill sets do we see coming, you know, to the fore in terms of the shop floor? I know we were talking a little bit about subject matter experts, and I think that was more across the entire organization in terms of being de-siloed. But even when we're talking about folks who are still going to be, you know, where the rubber hits the road, what are they going to look like into the future and how should they be thinking about their careers? You can see it already when you look at advanced plants. You visit the latest Mercedes plant, just open open a new plant. It's a... Automated, not autonomized, as you say. Yeah, right, 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 right. Automated. So there's lots of robots and people sitting next to them with iPad-like, you know, devices and change. Interestingly, in the same plane, they just reduced the number of robots and increased the number of people because they found out that lately they make on the same line, not only internal combustion engine, but EV cars and hybrids and the... all kind of, and, and they allow German, especially German, I don't know if you know it, but German consumers always order the car. They don't buy from the lot because they want exactly how they want it with all the options and all of it. So no two cars along the line are the same. So uh, they found out that people are much more flexible than the robot and can change faster from one station to the other. So they, I, not everything, but they took out about half the robots and brought people back uh, back to the job. So. The jobs that are being totally, the word that you use, autonomized. Autonomized, yeah. It's not complete job, but certain tasks, for example, welding and painting, because these are really dangerous jobs. Yeah. Painting has, you know, poisons in the air, and welding is just dangerous. So they have, these jobs are done with uh, almost totally by robot. And interestingly, there was acceptance because usually it's hard to bring automation into union shops. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Doesn't work. But when you talk about increasing safety by allowing robots to do the dangerous jobs, it works. Yeah. So that's why you see it both because they're good at it and because, you know, labor allow for it. There's acceptance. So you have this combination. But in some other cases, even, you know, assembly of panel together is, is done by robots. You mentioned safety. Are there any other conversations around AI where you where you see management and labor kind of at the table in terms of, you know, moving the conversation forward, you know, automation or, you know, and, and I know that's tough, especially because just with where, where unions are situated. Yeah, it is tough. And we see it today. That's one of the flashpoints in the negotiation between the international longshoremen in Long Beach and no, NLA ports, which are the two largest ports in the United States, and the terminal operator, the management. It's a, because unlike other, like Singapore, 
Rotterdam, Dubai. If you go to these sports, and I've been to all of them, they're totally unlike Long Beach. It's like a different, a different world. I'll give you an example. You come to Singapore. You try to go to LA. The drivers to come in, they to identify, to show paperwork. It takes about two minutes, three minutes. You come to Singapore, you don't stop at the gate. You just go through. By the time that you go through, they take the iris of your eye, they take the number of the container, they take the number of the truck in a flash, and you just go through. So you see that the productivity is so much more. And, you know, in those ports, you have automated cranes. They just pick up the container, and it's, it's an automated, you know, I don't know how to call it, autonomous trucks that just move around and put it. So it's a, it's a different world. Especially even from location to location, uh, location to location to where a lot of these, you know, products are being handled and they can be handled by like almost entirely different workflows in terms of, you know, the combination of robotics, automation, autonomization, human manual, you know, yeah. So, for example, in Singapore, the cranes that pick up the container from the ship and put it on the truck or pick, put it from the truck and put it back in the storage, the entire movement is automated until the last two or three centimeters. The last two or three centimeter, there's a person sitting in the in the back room and managing about ten of them, and the last centimeter kind of make it just to make sure that it everything holds because if something doesn't hold, it's very dangerous. These are you know forty ton you know, little cubes that fall on somebody, they ruin the truck, they'll they'll kill the driver. They, it's dangerous. So the last thing is it's still human control, and they don't have plans right now to to change even the last. The last part. So it, you see how things work. Yes. And even for reasons that we were talking about before uh, in terms of psychology and trust and like having people, you know, and talk about last mile. It's the last centimeters. We started this episode talking about and I know you were kind of framing it around kind of what you tell your students. And we were we were saying how even that works into like great criteria for subject matter experts. Humans should be thinking of ways that they can, you know, de-silo processes, get especially for their first entry level work, you know, as widespread an experience as they can across an organization. Even for that diversity, any other skills that that you want to bring to the forefront in terms of how people should be thinking about their careers or even business leaders should think about how they're hiring in the next few years vis-a-vis automated processes. Okay, hiring, I don't think change much because we all want to hire people who are curious and want to learn and want to grow. And we want to hire people who have the basic uh, technological acumen, especially, you know, I'm at MIT, so obviously people who are my students are looking, expecting them to have some technological know-how, reasonably good technological know-how. But in, this does not change much. We always want to hire the people are curious, committed, enthusiastic about the work, can have good aura with other people, can work in team. Even today, most of the work is done in team, not, not done in a, you know individual investor, individual innovator, individual worker. So it's done in teams. You still want to have these human skills that I don't think have changed much. Indeed, indeed. And and so even that skills, cooperation skills and team building, being able to work with multiple stakeholders and move projects along, that's really where you see human judgment, at least in the short to medium term, really being able to complement what we see on the AI side. Yes, on, on top of understanding the technology, being able to work with AI. Look, ChatGPT, people are worried about ChatGPT, where it goes, but at the end of the day, it's a tool. 
it's just like a spreadsheet. And you know, before spreadsheet to build a financial model, you have to go to some programmer and work with them and you know, build a model and all this. It took months to do it and it was wrong at the end because you didn't quite understand what you wanted. Now you just download the data and do it your you know by yourself on a spreadsheet. ChatGPT, rather than be afraid of it, I think we should teach our students, I teach my student how to use it properly, how to do the query, the query right, how to judge it if it makes sense or not. So as a tool. That's how I use it. If the listeners on this program hear me make my analogy of like, use it to make your bibliography, not write your essay, I think I think they're going to run me out of this job. But that does highlight, I think, what ChatGPT brings to the forefront and, you know, kind of the heart of the confusion we see over it in terms of people ascribing it some magical powers. Like, yes, just because it can talk to you does not mean it's magic. It's only trying to predict the next word that you will for which you will give positive feedback. It's not trying to get meaning. Meaning is totally in your own brain. And when it does that job well, it's because it's been well-trained to do those predictive measures, you know, down to a science. And the reason that it looked human-like is because it's a strain on human writing. Right. I mean, it was not trained on machine writing, it was trained on human writing. So of course it will look like it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's like you gave a child a, a thousand pictures of, of, you know, human body parts and then said, make a human being. And it's going to just going to take each one of those little, little pictures and then build a, build a human being. And yes, all those parts will work, but they will just be pictures. You know, it'll just be a representation. It won't, it won't be the authentic thing. And I, I know, I think everybody's having this moment, whether it's LLMs or machine learning knowing once they understand exactly what it is all of a sudden that technology just just doesn't seem all powerful anymore in the true understanding of what the technological advance even if it's profound it really gets brought to the table and i think the last two discussions we've had dr sheffy really really shed a lot of light on that i I think you've given a lot for our audience both uh, leaders and folks thinking about their future careers to chew on thanks so much for being with us the past two episodes thank you very much for having me it was fun And before we close out today's episode, I just want to plug episode one of this series one more time. You can find it in your podcast queue under the July 20th episode. The title of the episode is Solving Logistics Challenges with AI with Dr. Yossi Sheffi. And in that episode, Dr. Sheffi is analyzing the different challenges facing logistics and manufacturing leaders when it comes to ascendant AI technologies like autonomous freight. And later in that discussion, we're talking about offering insight on where human judgment is still very necessary to build trust into those workflows. I know a lot of today's conversation, just in terms of where human skills will be more valuable, probably more in the short term than the long term, was a huge theme of today's show. That carries right over from episode one. So if you're tuning into today's episode and you feel like there's a longer conversation involved, your instincts are correct. And we just appreciate having you as a listener on today's program. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. 